This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people for kings and all who are in authority or in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way God this living a peaceful and dignified life verse 3 now says that this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. God wants us to live good, quiet, and peaceful, quiet, and godly lives. Peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified lives in every way. This is the will of God. It pleases God. It now goes on to further elaborate on more things that God wants. It now says, Who desires all people to be saved? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? It pleases God, first of all, that, you know, according to this scripture, in many ways, chronologically, it pleases God that his creation, that people are able to live peacefully, quiet lives, godly lives, and dignified lives. And God desires that every man comes to the knowledge of Christ. God desires that every man comes to the knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, guys. Um, like I've been saying in the weeks past. And let me start on this note. I've been saying in the weeks past. First of all, if you are going to benefit maximally from this series, you must begin to reorientate your mind. The essence of everything is to fix our value system. One of the things that you must first of all fix, that must be very strong in your mind, is that you must see purpose for what it actually is, not what the culture of this world has told us it is, not what motivational preachings have told us it is. Hallelujah. I think there's a problem with the keyboard. Can you fix the sound? We can't hear the keyboard sound. Praise God. Amen. You must see purpose for exactly what it is. And what is it? It is what you are created to do. It's not what you are created to have. You're not created to have things. Your purpose is not to have things. Your purpose is not to have a status. Your purpose is not to enter a status. Your purpose is to do stuff. A fan is created to blow air. A keyboard is created to produce music. So the purpose of the keyboard is to do something, is to produce music. That's why he says he works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
We are created to do of his pleasure. That is what purpose is. To do, not to have. This must sink into your consciousness. It will deliver you as it delivered me. Purpose is to do stuff, not to have stuff. That's why Hebrews, speaking prophetically, as you know, quoting David, as David said inspiredly in Hebrews chapter 6, says, It is written concerning me in your school, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. It's written concerning me in your school that I have come to do your will, O Lord. That's why we have come. We have come to do his will. Praise God. So, where you are right now, you're in purpose. There's not going to be a time in the future when you enter a status and you say you have entered that purpose. Joanna, do you agree with me? When you become the um, MD, let me just be speedballing. When you become the CEO of your company or when you become the boss at a multinational linguistics translation organization, (laughs) that is not when you have entered purpose. Right now, you are in purpose. You are already doing purpose. The question is how much of it you are doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's why in the scriptures, the first purpose, what man was first created to do, was to steward creation. That was the first thing he was created to do. He was created to steward creation. Because from, you know, Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 20, we know very clearly that all creation is an entity that is able to manifest the divine attributes of God. All of creation is designed to demonstrate or to produce or to make the nature of God visible. All creation emanated from God and from looking at creation, you should be able to see a reflection of God in a certain way and to different degrees. So that's why men are without excuse. Romans chapter 1 from verse 18 to 20. But man, being at the beginning, was the pinnacle, was the pinnacle of that creation because he's the one that was able to maximally demonstrate that image of God in a way that no other creation was able to. So much so that he was called like God in many ways. Hallelujah. But this is the thing I need to emphasize today as we go on. The purpose, the thing that creation, that man was first asked to do was to steward creation. God said, man should have dominion over creation and replenish it and to make it prosper. In chapter 2, he now says he put him in the garden and told him to work it and to take care of it. So the first purpose, the first thing that man was asked to do, the first purpose that man was asked to do was actually to steward creation. But then something happened. Man rebelled in a manner of speaking. Man got separated from God in a manner of speaking. And so something else happened. He new purpose was added which now became the priority and that purpose was to get man back to fellowship with God was to get man back into the fullness of the image of God that now became the priority because the man that is in the image of God the man that carries God's value system the man that has the Holy Spirit the man that is who God intended for man to be from the beginning is the man that can actually do all the purpose of God well Yes, a man that is separated from God has an image of God. He has a form of the image of God. How be defaced. And so that is why you can even look at men in the natural and they can still do some things. Right? But the man that can do things well, 
the man can, that can bring all creation, that can do all things the way God will have them done, is the man that has the image or that is in the fullness of the image of God. Is a man that has the value system of God. And so that's why bringing men back to the knowledge of Christ is the priority. However, that mandate to steward creation did not end because God is interested in creation doing well. God is interested in creation doing well. It is not the priority, but God is interested in it. And whatever is worth doing is worth doing well. Hallelujah. Look at something very interesting that I just... Um, um, there's something I would like you guys to see. Ezra chapter 6. This is very interesting. From the old, from the prophets. Ezra chapter 6. So this is a very interesting story, right? So um, I don't know how many of you guys know a bit of um, ancient, um, ancient um, history of Israel. So sometime in the... Um, Sometime, I think it was around 600 um, BC. I think 7th century BC. The Babylonians were the, were the guys that were in the, in the Near East. They were the guys that were reigning. So Babylon, so Babylon under the family line of Nebuchadnezzar, were, con- con- were, were conquering down to the Mediterranean from the East. And so they conquered, and they conquered the, the Northern Kingdom of Israel, which is the 10 tribes that broke away after their civil war under Jeroboam and Rehoboam. So they conquered Israel. Judah was still the same. That's the, the Judah and Benjamin were still together. So somehow, Nebuchadnezzar, um, 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 Nebuchadnezzar's descendants, um, um, Sennacherib, call, call him Sennacherib, but the correct pronunciation is uh, Sennacherib or something. So he came under the time of Hezekiah to come and conquer Israel. But through the prophecy of um, Isaiah and all that, the Bible tells us that um, an angel went in the night and slew all the soldiers. Actually, in history, it's confirmed that the Babylonians actually went to Judah, but for some reason, they went back. He didn't tell us the reason why they went back. Then later on in the history books, Sennacherib now started telling people that um, the reason why he couldn't conquer Israel was because he had problems somewhere else, so he had to run away. Imagine running away from Babylon to Israel and saying you went back because you had something. When the Bible, so the history actually is actually correct. When the Bible, Isaiah tells us, the Israelites tell us that what actually happened was that over the nights, many of that guys died. But that was not the end. But um, his guys still made a mistake. Sometime later, the um, sorry, that was the, Ass- the Assyrians first. That was I'm so sorry. The Assyrians were the one that first of all conquered the Israelites. Then later on, the Babylonians now conquered the Assyrians. They took over from the Assyrians, and then they now came to conquer Lower Israel. But there was something very interesting that happened. Um, after the Babylonians conquered Israel and took them into exile, that's under the time of Jeremiah, Daniel, and all those guys that they took some people as, um, as slaves and all that, took them to Babylon. Something now happened. The Babylonians were in charge of the Middle Persian countries. And so some, someone from the Middle Persian countries just rose up for, for no understandable reason and began to conquer the rest of Babylon. So all the territories that Babylon already conquered, the Middle Persians took it over in the name of Darius. But something very interesting happened. Cyrus, rather, in the name of Cyrus. Something very interesting happened. Even before Cyrus came, Isaiah already spoke ahead. That the guy is coming called Cyrus and he's going to get my people back. When Cyrus became king, you know, when he he was king of the Middle Persian Empire, he gave out an edict that all the Israelites can go back to Israel and build the temple. So they went back to, to build the temple 
And then when they go back to build the temple, because of beef and the, you know, the Syrians and the Philistines and Moabites around them, they began to beef the Israelites. And they now sent a letter to slander the Israelites to the next person after Cyrus, who was Xerxes. There's another name that they call him in the history books. And then that one now said, ah, I heard that the Israelites were very strong people. We have to be careful. So let's pull their power down. Don't allow them to pull the temple again. So he wrote a letter. But um, interestingly, uh, I think it's Zechariah and Haggai now prophesied that when the time comes, they'll be able to build the temple back. So when Xerxes died and Darius became the king, by the prophecy of Zechariah, they were able to, they were able to prophesy to the people and then the people began to build even before they got a letter. Supernaturally, God just somehow did it. People wrote a letter to Darius again that they should stop them from building the temple. But when the letter got to Darius, someone told Darius that, check what your grandfather said. Your grandfather actually said they should give them the temple. And supernaturally, God just opened doors. And next thing, they allowed them to build the temple. So all these things that the prophet had said before actually happened. And history confirms them. Now, this is the interesting thing that happened. In Ezra chapter 6, read this. Let Just follow me. Then Darius the king made a decree, as, and a search was made in Babylonia in the house of the archives where the documents were stored. And in Ekbaktana, the citadel that is the province of Media, a scroll was found on which it was written, a record in the first year of Cyrus the king. The first year Cyrus became king. Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the place where sacrifices were offered, and let the foundations be retained. Its height shall be six cubits and breadth with three layers, verse 5. And let the gold and silver which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem and on and on and on. Now verse 6. Now therefore, Tatanai the governor of the... Um, um, now therefore, this is Darius writing to the governor of that area where Israel was. Now, therefore, Tatanai, governor of the province beyond the river, Sheta Bezbuzenai, and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away. Let the work on this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild the house of God on its site. Moreover, I make a decree regarding that you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of the house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay and the rural revenue, the tribute of the province and beyond the river. Hallelujah. And whatever is needed, um, bulls, rams, and all that and all that. Praise God. Now, um, I've, I've, skipped, I've skipped something. Praise God. Verse 6. Now I'm going to, I want to go to verse. Is it verse 9? Verse 10. Now let me jump to verse 10. That they may offer pleasing sacrifices. This is the guy speaking to them now. That they may, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. So, something very interesting happens here. Darius, um, Darius is telling the governors of Israel that they, should al- that they should allow the Israelites to build the temple. And as they are building the temple, they should do everything they want to do. And in the temple, they should take the advantage of the temple to pray for him and his children. To pray for him and his children. Now, let me show you something else. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29, from verse 1. Now, this is much earlier when the Babylonians had come to take, take away Judah. Jeremiah is writing a letter. And this is one of the chapters that inspired Daniel in his, um, in his work. 
these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles. So Jeremiah sent a letter to the guys in Babylon and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah, Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed for Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shapnan, Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord, Jeremiah is speaking inspiredly, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So, just as he said, inspiredly before, before, long before, right through the mouth of isaiah through the mouth of even all the contemporaries of um, solomon that for the sins that the israelites were doing and breaking the law they would have to pay for it right he now says verse 5 build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce take wives and have sons and daughters take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. He said, go to Babylon. It is, not the con- it, is not the- it is not the nation of God. It is not the theocracy. It is not the people of God. But he says, go there, marry, build houses, do well, do well in that land. Verse 7. Do not decrease, verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I, where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Very interesting. Jeremiah is speaking inspiredly and he's telling the Israelites that you are in a land that is not your land. You have become strangers in a land where you are not citizens. But in that land, do well in that land and pray for that land and make sure that land is doing well because the welfare of that land will determine your own welfare. And so that's why Darius was speaking earlier and was saying that the people should pray for him. Actually, this is where Apostle Paul took this whole mentality from. This whole mentality of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Which is, there's nothing in the New Testament that is not from the Old. The idea that the welfare of the people in the land because we are pilgrims in this world. We are citizens of heaven from where we make way to our Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is not our world. Yes, this world is not my own. It's not. We are pilgrims in this land. We are in Babylon. But Jeremiah speaking inspiredly, which is a shadow of things to come, tells us something. He says, the welfare of Babylon will determine our welfare. The way this world that we are living in now will determine how we also live in this world. And that's what Apostle Paul was actually quoting in first Timothy chapter 2, he was saying God wants us to live quiet lives, godly lives, dignified lives. So we should pray for Darius so that he can enable us to live well. Because God wants us to live well and he wants men to come to the knowledge of Christ. Do you understand that? So even though man's reconciliation is God's priority, God is also interested in creation. Because creation doing well directly affects how human beings do well. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So this is where your purpose comes from. This is what you are meant to do. I know your purpose. Stop looking for purpose in where it is not hidden. 
we know your purpose your purpose is right here in the scriptures your job is to do the will of god your purpose is to do the will of god and what is the will of god that all men come to the knowledge of christ and that creation does well So wherever you are, that is what you should be doing. Wherever you are right now, that is what you should be doing. That is your purpose. Your purpose is not to be a doctor. Your purpose is to bring men to the knowledge of Christ and to steward creation well. That brought us to the idea of what platforms are. This is where the major confusion comes from for for most people. A platform is a situation, is a place is a location it is a status where god puts you so that you can access people and creation so that you can do the will of god so being a doctor is a platform it is not your purpose that's why if anything happens and the nigerian system should go upside down and they stop awarding degrees degrees for being a medical doctor it does not mean you don't have purpose again you heard i just said no your purpose is not to be the um, CEO of a tech company. Because if anything happens and you don't get to become the CEO of a tech company, it does not mean you don't have purpose again. It is a platform. Your purpose is not to be the number one social media influencer or to be the number one social media guru. That's not your purpose. It is a platform where you can access people and created entities so that you can do the purpose of God. Now, what is the purpose of God? To bring men to the knowledge of Christ and to steward creation. So it is a platform from where you do those things. Church out together. This is why the life of a man is not in the abundance of the things that he owns. Your value is in your purpose. Your value is not in your platform. God is the one that allots platforms. God is the one that puts people in situations situations where they can do these things. God is the one that orders our steps. So your value is not in your platform. Yes, God can actually order your steps to seemingly lowly places where the platform does not look magnificent. It is your purpose that counts, not the platform. Church, I was together. Did you get what I'm saying to you? Praise God. I don't spend too much time recapping, right? So after I've done just minimal recapping. So please, you know, if you've not heard the messages before, go and get the previous messages so that we can move on. So you, you can see that from the old. The welfare of the nation that you are in determines your welfare. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we know what purpose is. Purpose is to do stuff. And we know the things that we are meant to do. Um... We know what platforms are. Platforms are the situation, situations, platforms are the spheres of influence, platforms are the locations where God puts you so that you can do those things. Right? And we'll explain them very well. Now we are moving on to the third thing that you must understand. And the third thing is what we call gifts. So you have things you are meant to do, which is your purpose. You have a platform where you are standing. Listen to me, wherever you are now, you are already on a platform. You are a student, you are working, you are not working, wherever you are, you are in a location where you have access to people and you have access to created entities. The issue of you are not doing purpose is not is irrelevant. Right where you are now, you already have a platform. Everybody has a platform. The issue is be using you should be using that platform to do the purpose of God right where you are. Church, I will together. 
So we have platforms, right? Now, it's one thing to have purpose. It's one thing to have a platform where you can do it. It's another thing to carry the capacity, the ability to do that purpose. You can have an objective in mind. You have the things that you are meant to do, right? I'm a student. I'm still with my uncle or my auntie or whatever. I'm still with my elder brother I'm, and I'm a student. But I have a church I go to. I have friends. I have people I'm interacting with. I have a school where I go to. I have a platform already where I can meet people, where I can do things in the name of Christ. But it's another thing to have the capacity, the ability, the competence to do it. Because you can have the platform. You can know what you want to do and not be able to do it because you don't have the ability to do it. And that's where gifts come in. Gifts are the ability. They are the capacity that enables you to do the purpose of God. They are the abilities and the capacities that enable you to do the purpose of God. Right? So that's why you see something very, very interesting. One of the very interesting things that you see is that whenever there's a commissioning to do the purpose of God, or to do an assignment, to carry out an assignment. Whenever you see a commissioning, either by revelation of a purpose that was always there, you know, or a revelation of what a person should begin to do at a particular point, all through the scriptures, whenever you see a commissioning to do a work, whenever, you know, the, the commissioning comes with a giving of a platform to do a work, there is always a corresponding impartation of ability to do it. You know what I just said now? Whenever there's a commissioning to do a work, there is always a corresponding impartation of ability to do it. So God is not going to tell you what to do without also making you, giving you, opening your eyes to see the abilities that you have to do it or to impart you with that ability. Do you hear what I just said now? When there is a commissioning, when God opens your eyes to an assignment or something that you are meant to do, which is your purpose, and God, and you know, you are already in a platform where you are going to do it, right? What always follows next immediately at the same time actually is that the capacity, the abilities that you need, the gifts and the competence to be able to do that thing is either revealed if it was there before or it is imparted if it was not there before. We can take it from the beginning to the end. All through the scriptures, even from day one. When God said, man, um, have dominion over the earth and do this and do this and do that. Guess what God gave him as a competence? The image of God. That is the, some characteristics and qualities and abilities that only God has. God gave it to him. So from the day one, as he was giving him dominion, which is the platform to do stuff, he gave him the gift and ability, which is the image of God. Do you understand that? From day one. From day one. All through the scripture, look at all the patriarchs. Whenever there's a commissioning to go and do something, you will see a corresponding attribution of gifts or abilities to do it. The Bible will say, and the day that David was anointed, no, let's, let's start from Saul. Look at Saul. The day that, Saul, the day that Samuel melted Saul on the way, we know when he was going to look for his father's donkeys and all that. The Bible says that God told, God, God told Samuel that, okay, look at that, the guy that I'm going to anoint and everything. And then the next thing, um, when God meets, when meets Samuel and anointed him, the Bible says that actually, the, the, you know, the power of God came upon Saul and he began to, he, that from that day, he became a different man. Things were given to him. Same thing with David. Look at the apostles. When Jesus gave them a commission to go and do something, the commissioning came with an impartation of ability to do. Look at from even before Jesus, you know, died and rose again. 
right? Even when he was on the earthly walk, when he, when he you know, gave them a test throne of the believer's authority. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, right? You know, I think it's Luke chapter, chapter, chapter 11. 10, 11. Bible tells us that um, um, Jesus said they should go out, cast demons, heal the sick, go and do all those things. And then he gave them the authority to do it. It is an ability. It is a gifting. It is an ability. It is a gifting. Whenever a work is set ahead of you, it is an ability and is a gifting. That is the reason why. Whenever God has given you something to do, any kind of feeling that you don't have the capacity to do it is wrong. Because God will never give you an assignment without the corresponding ability to do it. When it was time for Moses to, you know, begin to go to go into the kingdom of to go into Egypt to deliver the people of God, the Bible tells us something very interesting that he felt like as if he did not have the ability and the speech to do it. You know, what God said, God said that that is not the problem because I'm taking care of it. Give him a rod to demonstrate. Give him power as he was going forward. So that he can know that he was able to do it. So, there is no plat- There is no place wherever you are now, in whatever platform that you are now, and you look around you, you can see what God will have you do. What you require to do what God will have you do is inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Church, I was together. Listen to me. So, let me, let me try and qualify it like this. It can be easy for us to you know, really relate with these things. These abilities can be um, inborn, right? And they can be acquired. That's my abilities that you actually are born with. That's some of these gifts that you're actually born with. Don't forget, I'm talking about gifts. I'm talking about all capacities and abilities to do the purpose of God. Not just, um, you know, not just the... Um, you know, reconciling men back to God, right? But even causing creation to flourish and to do well. So I'm talking about all gifts, all abilities, all talents, so to speak. Right? Some of them are inborn and some are acquired. There are some abilities that you notice that from the day one you've always had. Those abilities have always been inside of you. You never did anything to get them, but they've always been part of you. Right? And then there are abilities that um, you acquire along the way. Abilities can also be acquired. We have some abilities that are material. They are palpable abilities like money, resources. It's a gift. It's not a platform. And it is not your purpose. Your purpose in life is not to have money. Hope you hear what I said now. Your purpose in life cannot be to have money. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. By any standard, it does not make sense. So purpose and money is a gift. It's an ability to do something. It enables you to do something. And then there are immaterial abilities. For example, skills. For example, wisdom. You cannot touch them, but they are inside of a person. It enables a person to be able to do stuff. They are immaterial. So we have palpable ones like resources, money, material things, you know, and all that earthly resources, natural resources. And then we have immaterial gifts. So, let me use two examples of each to help us really explain, you know, giftings for us. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look at verse 19. Bread is made for laughter 
and wine gladdens life and money answers answers everything praise god this is one scripture that is often um quoted out of context money answers everything and people say that and that means that there's nothing that money cannot do it's not true let's read it from the beginning it says verse look at verse 19 bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life so he's talking about the things that make you feel good things that can make you happy right do you understand that things that can make you laugh things that can make you wine and money answers everything so money can give you goods both bread and what wine do you understand that church all together money answers both of them money answers everything so for the things that people used to jollificate to feel good and everything money can actually actually answer those things it does not mean that money is the answer to everything obviously money cannot answer everything that one is um you know that's a given what is the point here money answers everything money gives you the capacity it gives you the ability to do stuff money gives you the ability to answer things money gives you the ability to look at um the same ecclesiastes go to chapter seven hallelujah chapter 7 from verse 11 wisdom is good with an inheritance it is an advantage to those who see the sun that means if you are alive for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it do you see that do you see the utility of money Wisdom is good with an inheritance. That means that it's good to have wisdom and to have money. Because both of them are gifts. It does not make sense to say money answers all things. Because if money answers all things, then wisdom will not be useful to have with money. And that's why, really, in doing the purpose of God, right, money has a place to play. Money is important in doing the purpose of God. Money is a gift. It is an ability. It enables you to do things. So it is good to have wisdom while having money. Verse 12, for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, but it has an advantage. And, that says, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So you can see that wisdom does not answer everything. So he says that wisdom can protect you the same way money can protect you. But wisdom has an advantage is that wisdom can preserve your life. So money does not answer everything in the sense of money can do everything. Read it in context. Because there are many things that wisdom will do for you that money cannot do. These are things that intuitively and by experience, even our traditional cultures understood and discovered. Intuitively, they found it. And that's why the Yoruba people have adages like um, um, Ujutsiowo that sometimes that they used to put money to shame. That's money's eyes will close so to speak there are times when money is rendered useless so the right place of money must must be put in perspective however the point is this wisdom and money they are gifts they are competencies they are abilities that enable you to do things they give you the wherewithal to carry out something for example in the 21st century we as a church we have a mission you know we have a goal we have a something we have an assignment in the purpose of god which god has given us and what is the assignment to reconcile the world back to christ right and to reshape the values of people 
it is a strongly evangelistic ministry. We are reaching out to people. It's all about the people. It's about getting people back to the knowledge of Christ and at the same time fixing their value system so that their value system is in the right hierarchy just as God's hierarchy of values is. So that they don't prioritize the things that God does not prioritize. So that they don't diminish things or deprioritize things that God finds most important. The value system. Because we have known that reconciling people and having the right values are intricately intermingled. All the challenges that we are having with reconciling people back to God in this world right now is a function of values that are antithetical to God's own. So we have that purpose. But that purpose cannot be done if we are not reaching people. Isn't it? Church out together. That purpose cannot be done if we are not reaching people. And you will not reach people by speaking in tongues in your parlor or in the chapel or in church or in the studio. You will not speak in tongues here and be reaching people wherever they are. You are going to have to reach out to people. You are going to have to you will require resources to reach out to people. So money itself is a competence that can be used to reach out to people. It is not our purpose. Hallelujah. The purpose is clear. It is not our platform. This is our platform. The body. The, the, the gathering. But it is a gift. It is a competence. It's an ability to do something. Same way with wisdom also. Church, are we together? Let, let, let's, 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 talk about, um, let's talk about gifts some more. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Look at verse 9. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. And God rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. So we see something here. God gives Joseph wisdom. I mean, you can't, this is Stephen speaking. Right? If you are more Christocentric than Stephen, please raise up your hand. Let me leave the pulpit for you. Anybody? Joseph, are you? Are you more Christocentric than Stephen? I can give you the mic. Oh, oh, great one. There's no like unto you. <laughs> Praise God. Now, Stephen is telling us something here that God gave Joseph wisdom. And the wisdom that he gave him was one that made him to be an administrator, a political administrator. Why? We see something very interesting with the story of Joseph. When Joseph was younger, he thought that his platform was his purpose. At least to a high degree of um, suspicion, we can say that. Joseph thought that his life was about people bowing down to him. So many times when people are getting visions of the future, right? Many times when people are getting specific pictures of how the future is going to be and they see platforms, they assume that it is their purpose. So Joseph was, Joseph was able to have dreams to see, have an idea of what was coming. And guess what? Joseph thought that his brothers and, and you know, his father and mother bowing down to him is what his life was about. But after the process of training, the Bible tells us that Joseph was the one that said with his own mouth that God sent me, my purpose was to preserve you and the world. My purpose was to come and do something. So the position where people were bowing down to him, which is being prime minister of Egypt, was a platform. But his purpose in that platform was to preserve 
Israel was to preserve the world. So God gave him a purpose to do something. His platform was being the prime minister, but then God now gave him a gift. And what was the gift that God gave him? Wisdom. Hey, come on church, are we together? God gave him a gift. God gave him wisdom. And that wisdom was what enabled him to do the purpose of God. So God gives platforms. God is the one that gives purpose. And he's the one that gives platforms. And he's the one that gives what? Gifts. Church, I went together. So God gave him a gift. He didn't even need money to do the purpose of God. So that's why the feeling that, that's why the life of him is not in the abundance. I can say this thing one million times. Right? That's why looking at yourself as less valuable because you don't have money is a testament to the fact that you don't know God. You don't know God. Going on Instagram and going on Twitter and looking at people and they are saying God when. When you are saying God when, I hope it is just bans. Because that statement God when, it implies that there is something that God has not done in your life. So you are asking God when because there is something that is yet to appear. And this God when that you are saying is not being said you know, when people are saying it. It's not being said in a passive sense of something that is not valuable that is missing. It's always said with the mentality or the consciousness of something fundamental, something central that is missing from the life of a person. Church, are we together? And that's where that thing always comes from. When people say God when. I hope when you are saying God when, you are not saying it with the mind of there is something in my life that is missing that I have not got into. There is nothing missing in your life. Where you have, are now, you have purpose. Where you are now, you have the platform. And guess what? The gifts that you require, right where you are, you have it. That's why Joseph's, what Joseph needed was not money. From the one, all that he needed, God had already given it to him. So at every point in time, in every platform where he found himself, as God was ordering his steps, the first place he found himself was in Potiphar's house as a head servant. It was a platform. Guess what? The guy began to do that's purpose. And he was administering it well with what? The gifts that God gave him, which was what? Wisdom. When he was thrown in the prison, he was there doing stuff. What was he doing? Administering the, 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 the prisoners. And what was the platform? Head prisoner. With what? The gifts that God, that gave, that God gave him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it was not when he became prime minister that he had entered the purpose of God. This must sink into your consciousness. So Joseph, Joseph did not need a dime to do the purpose of God for him. All because what he needed, God had given him. Oh, glory to God. Let's go on. Look at this very interesting um, scripture that Moses um, tells us. Exodus chapter 31. I'm picking these scriptures in particular to really try and make sure that I'm breaking every kind of presupposition and every kind of mold that people have put their mind into on what gifts can be. Because for the many people who are already strong in the body and all that, when we're talking about the gifts that you require to do, what you're thinking about is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm coming to that. Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name 
Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed him with Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability, glory to God, that they may make all that I have what? Commanded you. So God had a purpose. What was the purpose? To do something. What is the will of God I wanted them to do? To build the temple. Then he gave men gifts to do it. So he gave men gifts to do what he had commanded Moses, to do the will of God. What was the gift that he gave them? Skill, intelligence, wisdom in working physical stuff, in civil engineering and artistic design. Moses wanted to offend our Christocentric sensibilities and then he now said, I have filled him with the spirit of God. <laughs> I have filled him with the spirit of God so that he can be a civil engineer. Why? Why that emphasis? The aptitude, the ability to even do earthly things. Those abilities, the Holy Spirit in us does not have restrictions in supplying those competencies. Did you hear what I just said now? No, you did not hear what I said. The Holy Spirit the spirit of God who created all things, the spirit of God who created all things has, does not have restrictions in supplying competence and ability to do stuff. He does not have restrictions. He does not have restrictions because part of his purpose is stewarding creation. Stewarding creation requires certain kinds of gifts. It requires gifts that are not charismatic gifts. It does. That's why Jesus actually places, places a lot of um, value. Jesus actually places a lot of value on the wisdom for stewarding things. Let me show you one. Very interesting scripture. Look at Luke chapter 16. chapter 16 from verse 1. Now says, Jesus is speaking. He says, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is it that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to them, first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down, quickly write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, see Jesus, and I tell you, make friends for yourself 
by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Look at what Jesus is saying to them. There are two lessons in one here. Number one, Jesus is showing us the premium on wisdom. Jesus is not, is not appreciating what he did with the wisdom. Jesus is appreciating the wisdom, the ability to introspect, look at your situation, and make a decision out of it. You understand what I just said? Jesus is saying that the sons of light, the children of God, ought to have this competence to be able to look at their situation and make the best decision out of it. So Jesus places premium on wisdom. That's why Jesus himself was fond of giving us wisdom tips. Jesus would say things like, before you start something, before you even start following the Lord, make sure you sit down and count the cost. Which among you want to go to war and not first sit down and count the cost of whether you have enough armies and soldiers and competence to fight the other king? Or you will now tell yourself whether you want to fight king, whether you want to fight the king or go on a diplomatic mission. How many of you want to build a house and will not sit down and think about the resources you have and the amount of money to house to see that you have to see if you can complete the building in the same way? Every one of you, before you endeavor on any this thing, um, on any pro, um, endeavor, before you start any endeavor, make sure you count the costs. The God that gave Joseph wisdom, the God that gave Solomon wisdom, the God that gave Bezalel wisdom, and all the men of old, is the same God we have. Because the ability, that skill, of making good decisions from where you are, is the will of God. God places a premium on it. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? So, you must understand that gifts don't define your purpose. Your purpose is not your gift. Especially for young people, you need to understand this. Your purpose is not your gift. I have very good retentive memory. When I read, I can remember things well and I understand things quickly. Therefore, my purpose is to become a doctor. Is a liar. I can sing and I'm pitch perfect. When, the, when I hear me, I know the key and I know the octave. Therefore, my, go, my purpose in life is to be a gospel musician. A liar. That's what they used to tell us when we were small. He's very good at talking. He's going to be a lawyer. You're a liar. Gifts don't determine your purpose. Gifts don't even tell you what your purpose is. It can be loosely correlated. Loosely. Loose, yes, I said loosely correlated. Because you will see one person that is supposed to be talking to a pharaoh and be gingering the Israelites. Because Moses' work was in leadership was to be negotiating with pharaoh and to be a motivational speaker for the Israelites. You don't know. That was Moses' job description. It was meant to be a motivational speaker to the Israelites. You will, you will supposed to wind them and ginger them. God will do this. God can do all things. If you can acquire, if you can perspire, if you can... Which one is the first one? If you can perspire to acquire, you will definitely retire and refire to Maguire. Praise God. So that you can enter the Canaan that God told Abraham long before and is negotiating. It, it turns out that the guy cannot even talk. He's a stammerer. You will now look at Moses and now say, you are a stammerer. You can never be a leader of people. Your gifts or the apparent lack thereof does not dictate your purpose. 
Oh God, I can preach a whole message on this. Your gifts or the apparent lack thereof does not in any way determine your purpose. That's why you cannot be a young guy in a church and you can teach very well. And you now say, therefore, your purpose is to be the pastor of the church. You are a liar. No. I can preach very well. Therefore, my purpose is to be the pastor. You don't look bad. Your purpose is to do the will of God. Gifts are competencies that will enable you to do it based on the platform that God has ordered you into part time. That's why you will have some abilities that right now you will not see because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Let me explain this thing very well. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So God is not going to give you a gift and take it back and give you and take it back. So if God has given you a gift, the gift is going to be with you. Even when you're in a platform where that gift is not so much necessarily needed. Do you understand what I just said now? Oh, let me explain. Because gifts are with you, God gives it to you and he does not take it back from you. You cannot look at a gift to know the purpose of God for, your, for where you are now or how a platform that God is ordering your steps into is. Because for example, God can, let me just use examples that will just get to your mind. Right? That will be easy for you to understand. God has given you a gift of music to appreciate music and to do music well. It may be that that gift that God has given you is to support your pastor while you are in Lagos. But God is not going to give you the gift when you get to Lagos. And then after you get to Lagos, he will leave you. So God has given you that gift from the day you were born because he knew there was a platform coming where you would do that work. But imagine you're not yet in Lagos and because you're in school, where there's no platform for it, you now say because you recognize that gift, that means you must be a gospel musician while you're in school. Do you understand that? It's to say, after God, you have done it on that platform that God wanted you to do it, use it for, you now leave the platform that God, what, God wanted you to use it for, you know, and all that. And then you now get to another place, you now say, no, they must continue to allow you to be the music director. No. The gift was given you for such a time as this. Do you understand that? So that is the reason why you cannot say because of that um, your gift determines your purpose. No, you have many abilities. You are going to use them at different points in time for different things. They are not, they don't determine your purpose and they do not, you know, determine the platform that God will have you stand on part time. That's why it will shock you. You'll be very good at something now. Ten years from now, you'll not even be using it. You'll not be remembering that oh, I used to be very good at that thing. I can still do it if I still got it, but you're not using it. Because the gift is not your purpose. When we're in school, that's what they used to whine us. You say, Yeah, this one, he knows, he knows mathematics very well. He's going, to, he's going to be an engineer. Hmm. I know you shame me. I pity you. I pity you. <laughs> Go and do the engineering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Because gifts do not determine your purpose. They are given for you to do the will of God. They are given to you to do the will of God. That's why if God orders your steps in a certain way where you are you know, going to platforms and you are doing things, where money is coming to you. You cannot say, my purpose in life is to, is to be a rich man, to be financing the king. No, let me not say it like that. Sorry, I won't offend people. Let me hold it. Praise God. What I want to say is this. Your purpose is not to have money. 
that money that God is giving you is a tool to do something. What are you doing with it? We're even coming to it. Let me just, let's just continue. Hallelujah. Church, I was together. So that's why you can desire a gift. So this is the thing about gifts. their competencies and their abilities. And because the work, the will of God that God wants done is plenty. God has a lot of things that he wants to do. The laborers are few. The, the supply of laborers is always few com, com, compared to the harvest. That means that if you are purpose-oriented, like I was saying last Sunday, if you are purpose-biased, if you are action-biased, not status-biased, not situation-biased, one of the things that you find is that you can, just like platforms, like I said last Sunday, you can actually get to a place, you can, you can get to a platform and see the purpose of God that needs to be done and you will desire to do it. And the gifts that you need to do it, you can desire it and God will supply it. Do you hear what I just said now? You can desire a gift. You can desire a gift. We see it in the new and in the old. That's what, um, that's what um, Solomon did in 2 Chronicles, uh, Chronicles chapter 1. The Bible says that a platform came to him and David had told him the purpose of God. What is the purpose for being a king? God wanted him to know, to, um, to steward the people of Israel, to rule them well, and to ensure that the ways of God are entrenched in the country, so in, in, in the nation. So he knew the purpose of God. And God gave him a platform which was being king. Then he went to God and desired wisdom and God gave him. So you can desire. That's why Apostle Paul tells us both from both the old and the new. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth comes is what? Confirmed. We see it in the new. First uh, Timothy chapter 13, um, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Apostle Paul tells us, you can earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I show you a better way. Chapter 14, verse 1. He says, speak your tongues and prophesy, but I desire that you desire the best gifts. You can desire, you can see a work. You can be in a place, you can be in a platform and see something that needs to be done and you will desire the competence to do it. That's why you can desire the money to do the purpose. As long as you're not seeing that money as an end in itself, but it means to an end, you can desire the money to do the purpose of God. That's why you can desire that, Lord, I want a good job so that I can buy this for my church. You hear what I just said now? Hallelujah. You can desire a gift. You can be in a local church. Now let's talk about spiritual gift. That's the one that is sweet. I've, I've done my deconstruction finish. Let me do the one that is very sweet. The ministry gifts, like I was explaining last Sunday, ministry gifts that we are told in Ephesians chapter 4 are actually platforms. Apostleship, evangelistship, prophetship, pastorship, and teachership are platforms. Apostle Paul calls them gifts in the fact, in the terms that that's why the word gifts can equivocate. Gifts can mean many different things in different contexts. In the context of Ephesians chapter 4, gift in, in the sense that it is a it is something that God gives us which we, we which we do not deserve. So it is a position that you stand in to be able to edify the body. That in that sense it is a gift. In that sense also, purpose itself is a gift because life is a gift. The ability to do the will of God is a gift. You do not have to exist. It's a privilege. So purpose itself is a gift. So in that sense, purpose or platforms are gifts to their own gifts. But for the sake of the series that we're teaching, you know, the nomenclature and the explanation for you to understand, apostleship, prophethood, evangelistship, pastorship, and teachership are platforms. Praise God. They are platforms. Where you stand to do the purpose of God. Now, what is the purpose of God? To bring men to the knowledge of Christ. So every man is united in the knowledge of Christ and every man comes to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Church, I was together. So that is the purpose you are doing there. 
apostle, pastorship and all that is a platform. Is a platform that you stand on. It's a situation where you have access to people, where you have access in the church to be able to do that purpose. Then you have the charismatic gifts that enable you to carry out that office. This is the reason why platforms are shifting. This is where, where much of the misunderstanding of people come from. People say you can, you know, you know, that's where all the misunderstanding usually comes from. The misunderstanding comes from the fact that people don't understand that these are platforms. That is the reason why as you are now, if you go to Kontangura and you get men saved there, you become a pastor in that place. You become a platform, a pastor there. Before the people began to gather, while you are reaching to all of them, you were in the office of an evangelist. You can gather them and you'll be a pastor at that time. A time can come that you have evangelized to a lot of people and you are the one that brought the message to a lot of people and a lot of pastors are beholden to you and so you are responsible as a gatekeeper of the doctrine and the will of the church in that place you are standing as an apostle in that place do you understand what I just said now? so it's a platform then you have gifts supplied to carry out the purpose of God in that platform that you are standing part time that's why it does not make sense to say a woman cannot be a pastor because it is a platform that's why it does not make sense to say a woman cannot be an apostle not make sense because it is a platform and that is the reason why you can endlessly desire the best gifts you can find yourself in a place where you are standing on a platform for the sake of the believers to do the work of God and you look in yourself and you feel like as if you don't have certain abilities to do some things you can desire a gift to do it that's why he's the one that works all in all church do you understand that So you can desire gifts. You can desire them. To do the purpose of God, you can desire and God will meet the need. That's why if any man lacks wisdom, if any man lacks anything, let him just ask. God will give it. God will give it. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Let's see some things now. So, you can ask for gifts and you can receive them. All the scriptures I'm not quoting, I'm assuming that everybody here knows, but okay, don't worry. In time, we'll, we'll focus on those things. So let me not, you know, dig too deep in that. So you can desire gifts and you can also grow your gifts and become better at them. First Timothy chapter 4. You can desire new gifts, both material and immaterial gifts. You can desire them and you can get them. And you can also grow in them. First Timothy chapter 4, verse, what verse is that now? Um, what verse is that? Verse 14, I believe. Verse 14 says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. So you see that you can get gifts. You can acquire giftings. So you were giving gifts. You were giving gifts by the laying on of hands. But look how it now says, verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress so that all another version will say so that all may see your profiting so you can have gifts laid on you you can exercise those gifts you can give yourself to, to those gifts you can immerse yourself in those gifts and guess what will happen the bible says that you begin to make profit and progress in it you actually get better so you can you get better in giftings giftings are created such that you can get better at them 
you can get better in the gift of teaching. You can get better in the gift of healing the sick. All the charismatic gifts, you can get better at them. And in the non-charismatic gifts, like wisdom for doing stuff, like the examples that we give, you can get better at them also. Wisdom for HR. Wisdom for administration. Wisdom for Chinese translation. Wisdom for social media. All those skills and abilities, you can actually get better at them. You can work them and you can progress in them and you can become better at them. Let me show you something. Um, let me use this one to just um, talk about a doctrinal issue that usually um, upsets people that people don't um, usually get. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is very interesting about why this um, model of thinking about purpose it helps to clarify a lot of things that seem confusing. Look at something. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church. Do you see that? So God has given platforms. God has appointed. Like I said, God is the one that gives platforms. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, then helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So it now looks like as if, look at verse 29, it now says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all, are all miracle workers, if, if you know, are all miracle workers, do all work miracles, do all possess the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. So, people will say that, you know, there's a way this thing looks, where the platforms, where the office gift, the ministry gift, seems to be modeled up with the charismatic gift, and then it causes a kind of confusion, right? Does that mean that everybody can stand in every, um, ministry platform. That's one way of looking at it. If you want to look at it from that shade of view, it, it causes the, 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 the debate. I mean, does it mean that um, everybody can stand in the ministry, every kind of ministry platform? And that person will ask and say, um, that means that not everybody can do some gifts. So some, some gifts are given to some people. And so you now say that means that some gifts are given to some people, some people cannot do some gifts. But the, the same chapter says earlier in the chapter that it's the same spirit that works all in all. So some people looked at it from that chapter and I said, no, um, it does not make sense that some gifts are given to some people and some people don't have some gifts. And then when you're reading this scripture, they will now say things like, what verse 29 is actually saying is that it's saying all apostles, all prophets, all teachers do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret." No. The fact that the Greek text does not have question mark when it was being written 2,000 years ago does not mean that the Greek text or when you are reading Greek text, you don't know what a question is. Did you hear what I just said now? Did you hear what I just said now? Textual critics will tell you these were questions. You don't have the right to sit down here in your corner of the world and decide that it's not meant to be question mark. It is meant to be question mark. Rather, what is going on here? What is the simple cause of confusion? It is still the same issue of platforms and purpose. Look at verse 28 and read it again with this, with this in mind. 
and God has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles then gifts of healings then helpings then administrating then different kinds of tongues so Jesus says the apostle Paul is telling you here that he first mentions the platforms that we have in the body then he mentions the abilities that people have in dispensing those platforms and God has appointed the church God appointed apostles God appointed prophets and God appointed teachers then we see miracles then we see gifts of healings then we see helpings then we see administrating then we see various kinds of tongues church are we together church do you understand that are all apostles no are all prophets no are all teachers no do all work miracles obviously no how many of you have raised that before it's not hard. are all teachers no do all work miracles no do all possess the gifts of healings we have not seen that do all speak with tongues no do all this, these brothers on the question we were talking about yesterday do all interpret no do they all do it do we see people all doing them we don't and the reason why we don't see people all doing them is not because they cannot desire it and have it is that he's talking about what we see so even in the church at that time if you looked at the church of Corinth at that time Apostle Paul is telling us that if you look at the church not all of them were speaking with tongues not all of them were interpreting not all were doing miracles he later tells us that you can desire it so that's not a problem the problem is whether or not believers can do all those gifts that is not the problem we see clearly that you can desire them so you can desire to speak in tongues you can desire to interpret you can desire to heal miracle to, to heal it's the same spirit that works all in all that is not the problem but as he was looking at the church at that time were they all doing it no do you understand that so we have platforms in the body and we have gifts to do that also and interestingly, we see that some of the charismatic gifts, some of the so-called gifts that we see here, are not charismatic in, go, in quotes. If you read um, 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 Romans chapter 12, we see the same reiteration. There's a gift for administration. Hallelujah. There's a gift for administration. There's a gift for helping, welfare. It is not normal. Hallelujah. It is not normal. Now, this is a very interesting thing about gifts and platforms that you should see, right? So that is also what you also see reflected in that portion of the scripture. A gifting, a person excelling in a particular gift, a person specializing in a particular gift, for the sake of utility and pragmatism, can lead the person to being given a platform to use that gift well. Do you understand that? For example, if a person excels in the gift of administration, we in the church can decide that, decide that okay, there is a need for this platform someone that will start to be administrating because this person excels in the gift and so we'll give the person the platform so do you understand that the gift is not the platform we are the one that give the person the platform so that's why you can see sometimes that it looks like as if um there's a confusion about the platform and the gifts it will look you know it will look like they are bumping into each other in your mind no it's actually the fact that a gift can prompt the body to give the person a platform that's why if you read that same scripture ah, I don't want us to digress. We're already taking time talking on this issue. As I read that same scripture, you begin to see something interesting. I say, are all miracle workers in the body at that time? If you read chapter 14 downward, I know in the 
from how we understand about church history and the way services were set up at that time. Some people excelled in, in certain gifts and they were given a platform to do it the more in the body. Sometimes Apostle Paul said things like, if two or three of you are speaking in tongues, um, don't let everybody inter- um, interpret at the same time. Because even in the body at that time, some people excelled in speaking in tongues. Some people excelled in the interpretation of the tongue. So what happened by default in the body at that time was that they gave some people platform. So they give them tongue speaker. That's one of the things that Apostle Paul was referring to when he says, do all speak with tongues. He was talking to the fact that some people were actually given a platform as the tongue speakers. Some people were given a platform as the interpret- interpreters of the tongues. Church, I was together. And Apostle Paul was using all those things to talk about the fact that we can have different specialties in the body, but we are all of one body. So the entire chapter makes sense without having to affect the text. You don't need to distort the text. You don't need to touch the text. The text is fine. All you need is just a little brush up on your history. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh my God, we've taken time. Let me end on this note. Gifts are given to you to do the purpose of God. They don't define you. They don't define your value. A person's gifts might look outwardly more spectacular than your own. That person's gifts does not affect, it does not make that person more valuable than you. A person can be in a church where the spectacular, you know, positions are the ones that they are singing and they are coming up. It does not mean that the choir guy or the guy that is leading worship is more valuable than you that you are working in welfare. If, you know, this same thing applies in the world. The fact that C. Ronaldo's gifting of playing football earns him so much money does not mean that C. Ronaldo is more valuable than you. C. Ronaldo is, in, is, is on his own platform. You cannot compare yourself with anybody. That's one of the major lessons of this series. There is no place for comparison because you have your own ordination. You have your own place. You have your own body. And every man must take rejoicing in his own body alone. Galatians chapter 6. C. Ronaldo is doing his own. You, you have your own platform. It is somebody that created you. The person that created you gave you an assignment. Do what you are meant to do. Not look at another person. So a person's giftings are appropriate for what God is doing with him in his own platform. It is not a reflection on your own value. So one person has oratory skills, he can talk. And people notice him because he's a rock star. But you, you don't know how to talk, but you can do other things. You know, I say because that person is a rock star, you feel like a person has more value than you. No! Rather, your gifts are given for you to do what God will have you do. Glory to God. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's end on this note. Purpose is given for you to do. Rather, gifts are given to enable you to do. They are not a reflection on your value. They don't determine your worth. They don't determine how important you are. It does not determine how meaningful your life is. Don't look at someone who has, because he's doing some things on Instagram and the person has many followers because his gifts get many people to be attracted to him. And then because of that, you now think that you, that you have only five followers and your own gift is not spectacular, that person is somehow more valuable than you. Don't think like an unbeliever. They don't know God, you, you know God. 
That's why there's this misinterpretation of that scripture. The gift of a man maketh room for him. And all that. These are the things that will vex me. The gift of a man maketh room for him. So, if you do your gifts well, it will make you to sit before Buhari and Obasanjo. It's a lie. Please go and read the scripture. It means that the gift that you buy for a king will get, will get a king's attention. So, the king will call you to come and see him. That's what it means. Go and read it. The gift of a man maketh room for him and gives him a place among rich men. That's what he's saying. If you show up now, if you go to us, I'm telling you now, if you go to Asso Rock, stand at the gate, and they say, Who are you? Who is your father? You say, I don't have any father. My father does nobody. But I have hundred million dollars that I want to give by they will open the door for you. That's what they're using to use, that's the bread they're using to pack the stew of many pastors. Over time, you discover that the big men are the ones that are getting pastors' attention because the Bible has prophesied it already. If somebody should show up now with Land Cruiser 2015, I say, Pastor Sam, I just want to see you for a minute, sir. Even Shaye will open the door fast, fast. Sam and Shaye will say, Someone wants to see Pastor, please wait, 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 wait. I'm not saying it's a good thing, no. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But I'm trying to get your mind. That's the gift he's talking about. So over time, we've been told that your talents and your abilities must make you come before rich men. It's not true. The gifting is talking about there is material gift. You give a big man gift, you get his attention, you become his friend. Your giftings, you're doing well, your, your talents that God has given you might never take you before a big man. It is immaterial. Knowing a big man or not is immaterial in the giftings of God. What is material is that you are doing the purpose of God where you are for what you're meant to do. Whether it sets you before big men or not. Acquire to Paspire has told you for so long that if you just have a talent, even if you are sending a recharge card, one day you will have audience before Buari. That's the world thinking. You don't need an audience before Buari. What you need is to do the will of God for you. Hmm. I'm sorry. I don't mean to scatter things. I just don't have a choice. Praise God. Verse 17, 1 Timothy chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything good to enjoy. So, he's telling people that have the gift of money, people that have the gift of money, that they should not trust in their money as a gift. That's another thing. Don't trust in your gifts. Trust in God. Don't say, I am wise. I have the skill of this. I have the skill of that. And depend on your gifts. Your gift is not who you are. That is the reason why you cannot use it to estimate yourself. In the same way you cannot use it, you cannot depend on it. Because you cannot esteem it, you can also not depend on it as if it is of yourself. Because what it is, is an adult to do the will of God. You cannot trust in your flesh. You cannot trust in your gift. At the end of the day, you still have to trust in God. So what Apostle Paul is saying here is even beyond money. Rich men should not trust in their gift of money. You also must not trust, trust in your gift of wisdom. Don't trust in whatever charismatic gifts that you have. Don't say, I've been teaching for long. I have the gift of teaching. Therefore, I never need to depend on God. I trust in my gift. Like, lies will never happen. Because that gift is from God. And that gift is to do the purpose of God. One of the things that trusting your gift does is this. It begins to skew your hierarchy of values. And what it does is that as it skews your hierarchy of values, you begin to see your gift as an end in itself. You begin to elevate it higher and higher and higher in a hierarchy of values till you idolize it. So you cannot depend on your gifts. Let's go on. 
Oh my God. Verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and be ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold on what is truly life. So, what's Apostle Paul telling the rich here? If you have the gift of money, the gift of money is meant to do something. It's meant to be used to do good. Use it to do good to people. So that you can live for yourself a future of a good life. So you can lay hold on eternal life. So money is not an end in itself. You're not having money so that you can have money. As an end in itself. Don't be like the rich fool. Where you have barns and stores and you look at yourself and say there's nothing else to do. No, there's nothing like that. In fact, when those things are coming, that means there's more to do. Because they are created for you to do something with it. Like I said last week, and I will say again, God is not a user. So God will not give you a purpose and give you a platform and give you gifts and there will be nothing that you will gain from it. So as God is giving you purpose, platforms and gifts, God, there is a component of those three things where you yourself enjoy. Hallelujah. That's one way you are reconciled to God. You enjoy the fellowship of God. When you are back in the image of God, you enjoy the fellowship of God. When you are given a platform and a status, there are privileges that come with that status. You enjoy it. Same way with gifts. Bible says those gifts are given for the profiting of all. You can have those certain gifts and you will also enjoy them. They'll be useful for you because God is not a user. But that is not their primary purpose. Their primary purpose is that they are giving for you to do something with it. Hallelujah. So that's why Solomon asked for wisdom. And God gave him that wisdom so that he can do something. That is to steward the people. But that wisdom, God brought good things to him. He brought money to him. Hallelujah. So, God is not a user. That's the, this and this um, enjoyment component of all these things that God gives us is what people tend to idolize that makes them want to look at those things as an end in themselves. See, you must always remember this. Like I said last Sunday, be purpose biased. Be action biased. Don't be situation biased. Don't be gift biased. Rather, be purpose biased. Let your mind be on what God would have you do. Not on your status, not on your situation, not on your gifts, but on what God would have you do. So money is for you to do something with it. If you have gifts, exercise them, use them. That's what they're meant to do. Use them to do what the purpose of God is. Don't idolize them. Don't sit down on them and be, and be thinking about them as something to show that you'll be good. I know how to do this more than you. I, ha- I have IQ. That your IQ that you are boasting in, that you are shutting in, you are already missing the points. I'm very brilliant. It's a gift. It is not for you to be using to value yourself and be esteeming yourself and feel like a bad guy. You are supposed to be using that brilliance for apologetics. You are not be using that brilliance to defend the gospel. You are not be using that brilliance to help other people's lives to be better. I can sing. I can sing. I am a good orator. I can speak. I can speak. I can speak. It is not for you to be using it to feel better than other people and be dragging people on Twitter. It is a gift for you to use to convince men of Christ. Let me tell you something. Good looks is a gift. Look at the old. You will see that strong correlation of how God will make someone like David good looking. Good looks. If people think you are fine, it is not an end in itself. It's a good thing that God gives. There's a component of it that you enjoy, but there's a component that you also use for the glory of Christ. You can use it to show God Christian modesty. You can use it to show. See, you can use it to get people's attention and show the way of God. Do you know that? Yes. 
all those things are gifts. Do not idolize your gifts. Do not idolize your platforms. Rather, be purpose-oriented. Hallelujah. Praise God. So next Sunday, I'm going to be rounding off this entire series. And the focus of next Sunday will be to, we'll be talking about, it's basically a kind of teaching on how to navigate everything. Wherever you are now, how do I know what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing? What is the assignment, you know, in the purpose of God? What, what the platform I am now, what do I do with it? I have pictures in my heart of a platform that God is taking me to. I have desires. What is the place of my desires? What is the place of God's leading? What is the place of perseverance and patience? What is the place of all those things in the doing of the purpose of God? That's what we're going to end next Sunday on. And we're going to have a good time. Hallelujah. Please put our hands and let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you. Thank you.